Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Let's raise our voices and give God some praise this morning. If you're joining us at home, we want you to come to your feet as well and give God praise from your homes. Shout it out. Let everybody know what's going on. Here we go. Come on. Sing God, I'm running for your heart. I'm running for your heart. Gee, I am so on fire. Lord, I'm longing for your way. I'm waiting for the day. doing yeah hey God is good all the time amen all right let's continue to worship him come on
sounds so beautiful today. Give him praise to God, and he is worthy of praise each and every day. We should start our day like this all the time. Wake up, just raise our voices again. God, you are great, you are mighty, you are a way maker. So as we sing this next song, I just want you to shout it out to the Lord. Whatever you might be holding on to, God is worthy of praise. Just let it go. Lift it up. It's a place of worship. Come on. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. Declare that. Come on. I worship you. You are here Lord, you're working in this place. I worship you, yeah. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. Tell the Lord. I worship you. You are here. Working in this place, I worship you. I worship you. Now shout this out. Come on, everybody. Wait, make a miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, yeah, that is who you are. Tell the Lord again what he is. He is wait, make a miracle work. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing it up with me. Come on. prayer to the Lord that he's going to work through whatever you need to have him work through. Sing it up. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Amen. Even when 
people come together and lift their voices. I've said this before, okay? But in scripture, musicians were at the front of the army. Because a lot of times when other armies heard them singing praises to God, it instilled fear. And then what do you think happens when you praise God in the midst of a battle? God shows up, amen? So I want you to do this for me. You know those words. This is not rehearsed. This is just kind of in the moment, all right? I want you to close your eyes. I just want you to hear God's people sing those words. Every voice in this room, everybody's got a voice. God gave you a song in your heart. Doesn't matter what you sound like, it's a joyful noise, but there's something powerful when God's people sing. So close your eyes. Let this be a place of worship and praise and lift those words up powerfully to the Lord. Just take that in. Go, man, God's people, we are together. The Holy Spirit is dwelling among us and we're giving God praise for his work. In every voice, tell the Lord he is way maker. Sing that again. In every voice even louder. Way maker. One more time, even louder with everything you got. Come on, Waymaker. Now, if I'm driving around Lemoore this week, I expect like people kind of walking up the street being like, when? Maybe. Amen, amen. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to just be in your presence each and every day, Lord. You give us a new day. We wake up. You are there walking with us in life, Lord. Pray that as we have just spoken those words, we would re be reminded when the enemy comes and puts doubt in our minds, when troubles come and our hearts are just burdened, we would hear those words, Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. That's who you are, God. You are the light in our lives, Lord. 
No matter how dark our world gets, you are the light that breaks through everything. So this morning, what we are coming into your presence and declaring, Lord, is that we praise you. We pray that you would work, that you would move, that you would dwell here, Lord, that you would dwell in the homes of those watching, and you would speak to each and every heart. Let them know they are not alone. Let them know that you are a God who makes a way. Let them know that they are loved and they are treasured and they are wonderfully made in your image. And if there is even one heart who doesn't understand the love of Christ, Lord, pray you would speak to that heart this morning and let them know how much they're loved. And they would feel your presence and just take that step of faith of wanting to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And ultimately, Lord, have your way this morning. Speak to our hearts through the message and work throughout this day. We give you praise for the awesome, amazing waymaker you are. In your name we pray. Amen. The Holy Spirit is moving up in here, y'all. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Amy. I'm all up in your grill. I'm, I can't even walk around the stage because I'm just like, ha! Oh, man. Good morning. It is so great to be able to worship alongside you here in the building online. We are just it's so blessed just to be here and to do that together collectively and to boost the name of Jesus Christ. I'm sure his heart is just beaming with joy right now, especially hearing y'all sing like you just sang. Okay, some of y'all need to step forward and get your praise on from up here. I'm just letting you know. Well, on behalf of the staff, I just wanted to say good morning to you. We are excited to be able to see what the Lord has in store uh, for us as we seek to grow in our relationship with God. If you're newer to South Valley, whether you're in the building or if you're online with us, please fill out the communication card that we have, the Connect card. You can fill one online via the link that's on your screen right now. Or if you look underneath your seats, for those of you who are in the building, we have those cards. And just drop them off, donation station on your way out. We'll connect with you, Seth. We'll uh, be able just to kind of help you, resource you you and answer your questions. We'd love to, to holler. And if you're, if you're not familiar yet with the mission of South Valley, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And over the next few weeks, y'all, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for that. And so let's just kind of just recap some of the things we've talked about over the last few weekends with these announcements. Next week, baby dedications on Mother's Day, which is going to be so cool be able to celebrate Child Dedication Sunday. It's going to be here 9 and 1045. The deadline to register is going to be on Tuesday, May the 4th, on Star Wars Day, naturally, right? So that's uh, available on the Church Center app, or you can go and click register at the top of the svcclamore.org website, and you can register there. If you've already registered and have not yet turned in your pictures, make sure that you do the, that as well, and you can email the church office. I know for us, Deanna and I were trying to go through pictures, and it was extremely tough because that baby is, like, super, like, cute. I mean, I might be biased, but, you know, um, but yeah, it's great. So please make sure that you turn those pictures in. And also the following week, speaking just of, of trying to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we especially mean that from a very young age. So not just the child dedications that are happening, but we also have first step baptism class, which is taking place on uh, the following Sunday, the 16th, during the second service time. It's at 10, uh, well, I shouldn't say that exactly. It's technically a little before that. It's 1030 in the morning until 1230. Uh, you can register for that uh, as a family as well. It's a great opportunity for you, especially if your kids are asking questions about baptism, y'all, uh, especially if they're asking what baptism is. You have the opportunity to correct that because it's not called baptism, but I could see how that could be a little confusing because they're getting dipped in water. The class essentially, y'all, is meant to clarify all of that. So make sure if your, ch your children are asking those questions, please have them uh, uh, just be a part of that class. You'll want to register on Church Center uh, app, or you can, again, go to the registration link at the top of the svcclamore.org website. And then the following Sunday, y'all, it's kind of a double whammy on that Sunday. So first is baptisms, they're happening. That's also super, super sweet. It's gonna take place right here, at the 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. service. If you would like to sign up for that, we have uh, the uh, both services available for you to do that. And you can do that via the website as well or in church center, same ways as you register for everything else uh, via the next steps. Especially if you haven't downloaded the church center app, that's just the way to do things, y'all. Really easy, very quick, and we'll get a hold of you, talk you through baptism, and just kind of answer any questions that you have with regard to that. And then it's also Rooted Sunday, y'all. You, you may have forgotten because it's been so long, but we have a, a few groups that are on a 10-week discipleship journey right now. And in fact, two groups yesterday were out serving in the community. We had a group serving at uh, Renewed. We had a group serving at the Soup Kitchen in Hanford. We've got another one that's going to be serving uh, next weekend. It's going to be awesome. And so we're celebrating their completion of the discipleship program 
on the 23rd of May, and it's going to be great. And even if you have completed it during the time of the pandemic and we are not able to celebrate uh, as a church family, you can register for that. We've got the baptisms that you can sign up for or the cardboard testimony. So I've sent a couple emails about that, but you can register via the Church Center app or the registration link at the top. It's going to be a great time, you guys. We're going to celebrate as a church family, lives being changed for Jesus Christ, and that is a big deal for sure. So... If you, uh, before we get into uh, the rest of the service, if you would like to give to the mission of South Valley Community Church, we want to make sure that you are enabled to do so. We're going to put those options on the screen for you. It's a great way for you to express another way for us to express our worship as believers and believing in the mission that God has placed on this particular church's heart to be able to be a resource here and to our community at large. And so you can give a few different ways, and we just thank you in advance to, uh, for you doing that so that we can further the kingdom of God in the ways that we can through our resources. So that being said, we're going to actually take a look at a video that Pastor Ricky has put together for us. He's got a little some sum, sum to say the South Valley, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of our service. Thanks for being here this morning. Hey, South Valley, I just wanted to drop in and let you know that we are so excited to be joining you soon. My family and I were so grateful for you and the hospitality and the kindness that you've shown us over the last few weeks, and we just want to say thank you. Also, we want you to know we're praying for you. We're praying for your teams, praying for your volunteers, and uh, just excited to be pushing forward with you guys. And we ask that you'd continue to pray for us. This is a massive transition for our family. It's a big transition for our church, Central Christian. Pray for them. And uh, in the meantime, we're just excited to be joining you guys and let you know uh, May 23rd is the next time we'll be out. So we'll see you then. God bless and have an amazing Sunday. Hey, hey, South Valley, how are we doing? All right. You guys excited about Pastor Ricky or what? I mean, come on, that's good stuff. I'm excited. I hope you guys are, are on the same page as us and excited with us. So, uh, hey, listen, we are so glad that you're here at church with us this morning. Uh, for those of you who are viewing online, we're so excited that you're joining with us as well. And if you are online, do us a favor and drop in the chat where you're viewing from, because I always like to go back and see uh, how far that's reaching out. But we are excited that all of you are here, whether online or in person. Um, I'm excited to see people filling up this room again right? It feels good to get back to a little bit of what used to be normal. Um, so hey, let me, let me ask you a question. Has anyone in here ever been a kid? Okay, there were like five hands. Come on, okay, let's, we're going to start over. Has anybody in here ever been a kid? Okay, thank you. Bunch of liars in church, come on. Uh, okay, me too, right? And, and do you remember the plans and the, and the dreams that you had when you were a kid, right? Do you, do you remember that when you were a kid, you couldn't wait to be a grown-up, right? You, you couldn't wait until you were an adult because I, I was that kid too. I was that kid that all of the dreams and the plans that I had, I couldn't do those things until I was an adult. And so I couldn't wait. Everything was anticipation for when I was an adult because then I could do the things that I wanted to do. It was the dream, right? Well, here I am now, and, uh, and let me tell you guys. The other day, my wife and I were sitting on our front porch, and I threw my back out. We were sitting, and I threw my back out. Like, I, I was doing that thing where you rest your, your leg up on your, on your other knee, right? And I just decided to do something crazy. I, I was going to put it down. And I put my, and something just in my lower back was not having it. And I let out in that moment a whimper just like one of my dogs do when there's a new hole in the couch that I don't know about when I come home, right? And, uh, but being an adult is great, right? It's, I just keep telling myself, it's great. Uh, but do you ever wish you could go back to being a kid? Do you, do you ever wish, you, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could at least go back to your younger self and just say like, don't do it. Don't, I realize like this is where you think everything's going to be great, but don't do it. Stay where you are because it's a trap. You're going to grow up and all of your bones are going to hurt and you're going to get up and you're going to go to rooms and as soon as you get there, you don't know why you got up anymore. Like just stay here where you are, right? Like, and I mean, listen, sure, there, there would be limitations to staying as a kid, but sometimes it certainly seems worth it, doesn't it? We're always living in a way that we're trying to cancel 
our limitations without considering the consequences. But what if we actually tried to embrace our limitations? If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to be in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings. Uh, and don't get confused if you're new to church and, and looking through the Bible. There are two different books named, named Kings. You don't want the one with the one in the front. You want the one with the two in the front. 2 Kings, if you can't find it, we'll throw it up on the screens for you. And starting in chapter 4, right in verse 1, we read this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. This is, the, this is the prophet. He's the man of God on the scene. And she cries out to him and she says, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. You know, the, the unfortunate reality around this is that there is a major part of this story that I know that the vast majority of us can certainly relate to. Debt, right? And, and man, debt can bring out some nasty stuff in, it, in us, can't it? And, and the problem is that the way that most of us got there is because we deserved something, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you see something, you deserve it. You don't have the money for it, but you deserve it. So what do you do? You take out a loan for it, right? Don't worry, this is not a message on money. I know some of y'all were worried after the last two weeks with Pastor Tim, but uh, no, in all honesty, I'm glad he tackled that and did such a good job because I would rather him tackle it than me. So, uh, but, but no, but we live in every way in a culture that is so wrapped up in what we feel like we deserve, right? We, we call it an entitlement culture. And, and I, see, I see the generation before mine pointing at my generation, calling us entitled. And I'm not disagreeing with them, but don't think that we don't also see your debt. We're all in this. We're all part of this entitlement culture. And this woman in the story, she needed help. She was in debt, and, and she certainly didn't deserve to be in the position that she was in. And, and I'm not actually arguing that. I genuinely, I don't believe she deserved to be in this position because I don't, I don't believe that anyone deserves to lose their spouse. I don't believe that anyone deserves to lose their parent. And yet here this family was. She's at the point that she'll try anything. And so she finds the man of God, and she cries out to him. And, and she makes sure to let him know that, hey, my husband who just died, he was a prophet, you know, just, just like you, Elijah. And, and he, he was a man who revered God, you know, just like you, Elijah. See, we're on the same team. We're, we're in this together. So you owe us this. You've got to help us. We're on the same team, Elisha. She'll try anything right now, anything to get out of this. And in the first part of the second verse in our text, it says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. Nothing. We've been here, Right? You've got a problem and you're scrambling for a solution whether there is one or not. I think a good chunk of you at this point probably uh, have, have gotten to know me well enough to know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big hockey fan, right? And, uh, and not just watching hockey, like I enjoy playing hockey. And uh, I remember when I, was, when I was younger, granted, not as younger as I should have been for the story that I'm about to tell you, but uh, I remember that I was at my parents' house with some extended family, and uh, a couple of us were, were playing some hockey in the driveway. We set up a net at the bottom of the driveway, and we were shooting down into it and into the street. And uh, inevitably, you know, we, we would miss about eight out of the ten shots that we took on this net with no goalie in it. I said I liked it. I didn't say I was good at it. And so, so naturally, I had to eventually go across the street and pick up all the pucks that had gone over there. But see, me being a young man of vast intellect. I deduce that, hey, there's a better way than to just go over there and pick up these pucks and carry, like, that's the boring way, right? 
We're not out here to be bored. So I looked at the hockey stick in my other hand, and I had a really good idea. At least I thought it was. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take one at a time. I'm going to take these pucks. I'm going to shoot them up in the air over the back of the net, and it's going to land just perfectly right on the blade of my cousin's stick. And it's like, this is the way to do this. What could go wrong, right? And so that's what I do. Like, I, I pull my hockey stick, and I, I get that first puck ready, and I launch it up into the air, and I watch it just soar perfectly over the net and then continue to soar perfectly over my cousin's head and into the back of my parents' car. And the sound of the puck denting the back of my parents' brand new car was deafening. My, my cousin and I, just we just looked at each other dumbfounded. And listen, here's the deal. My parents could not find out, right? Like, this was non-negotiable. Mom and dad cannot know what just happened. And my mind starts rushing through all these different things, trying to figure out what is the solution for how can I, how can I fix this, how can I hide this, what can I do? Like, and my mind's rushing and rushing and rushing until finally it slows down. And my cousin and I didn't even have to exchange any words. We knew. There was nothing we could do. Nothing. Nothing we could do to fix this. And and while this is, is certainly somewhat of a trivial example, how many of you have desperate have found yourselves desperately looking for a solution, desperately looking for something to fix the position that you're in, only to find out that there is literally nothing that you can do? nothing. See, I, I remember in this moment thinking to myself, like, ah, Seth, if you, if you would have just, you know, since, since childhood, if you would have just been saving all of your money and putting it aside in the bank and something with, with high interest that could have, you know, brought you more money than you could have invested in an auto shop and you could have had the shop and you could have taken the car there and gotten it fixed before anybody, like, this literally ran through my mind. This is not an exaggeration. And we all do this. We get caught in this if-then mentality, Right? And we do it with God. We say that if God would just give us more, then we would give him more. If God would just do this, well, then I would do that. If God would have just made my past different, then I could dedicate my future to him. We play this if-then game. But listen, listen, church. God is not interested in a transactional relationship with you. God is simply interested in you, all of you, every piece of you. And God has never been interested in what you don't have. He's simply saying to us, hey, because you do have this, I'm going to use it and I'm going to blow your mind with what I'm capable of if you decide to trust me. If you decide to trust me, then, then we'll get something done. If you decide to trust me, then we'll get something done. Back in our text in 2 Kings 4, we, we read the first part of verse 2, but now we're going to reread it and, and fill in the second half of it as well. 2 Kings 4, 2, it says, Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except, except a small jar of olive oil. Mm, There it is. So you do have something. Is it valuable? Nope. Is it helpful? Nope. Is there any logical reason to assume that this could benefit you in any way? Still nope. But that's, that's what makes following God so fun, right, church? Yeah, okay, three of you think so. <laughs> I'm with the rest of you. <laughs> but church, don't miss this, right? All God needs is all you have. All God needs is all you have. He's not looking for you to have something crazy extravagant to offer to him. He's looking to do something extravagant with the nothing that you're already sitting with right now. 
And I mean, in, the, in this passage that we're looking at in 2 Kings, there are textual clues here that tell us that this was not a large jar of olive oil, right? This wasn't something that they would have even used for cooking. This was more than likely a small jar of olive oil that would have been used for something like anointing. So this wasn't something that you would have looked at for a solution. It really was basically nothing but that's all God was interested in. See, you, you may be someone who, who feels like you just have nothing to offer God. You, you may have thought that if God would have given you the ability to, to sing or to play an instrument or to get on the stage or something like that, then, then sure, then yeah, then I would serve you, God. But you didn't bless me that way, so... And we pout, Right? We say, I've got nothing, so I've got nothing to give. But, but listen, if, if you think that I was by any means qualified to teach the first time that I preached, you are sorely mistaken. If you think that I was in any way qualified to teach the first few years that I have been preaching, you're sorely mistaken. Church, most of the time, I still don't feel like I'm qualified to preach, right? But I started with a little I started with something that I felt like was nothing. And I just, I just said, here, you can have it, God. I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know why you'd want this. But here, this is the nothing that I have to offer you. And I started with that little bit. And I worked hard at my craft. And I still continue to work hard. But listen, we serve a limitless God. And that means that the more that we look at him, the more we're going to see in ourselves just how limited we are. But that's no excuse to just sit on our hands. Sure, this woman in our story, she was in crisis, right? She couldn't sit on her hands. She was in crisis. She had to do something. But church, look at the world around us. I don't care what political party you're in. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. Look at the world around us, and you can see that there is crisis. The world desperately needs the church right now. The world needs a church who's willing to stop sitting on her hands. And see, this is where it gets good, because this is where we get to verse 3 in the text. 2 Kings 4, 3. She says, I've got nothing except, except. So here's his answer. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. I love this. I love this passage because I, I want you to think about this for a minute. You're desperate. You just lost your husband. You're already in debt up to your ears, and now you have no income. The law of the land states that if you can't pay your debt, then the creditor will come and take your sons as payment. You're frantic. You're about to lose everything. So you come to the man of God, and you plea to him to do something. And he basically says, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? I mean, she earned that debt. She's got to do something about it. And besides, the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. That's not true, actually. I don't, I don't know how many of you know. Uh, that, was, that was actually Benjamin Franklin. Quick history lesson. He did not help write the Bible. Um, but no, but, uh, but Elijah, he does work with her to try and help her. And he asks her what she's got in her house. And her answer was nothing. And Elijah saying, perfect. Let's start there. Let's start there. But he also called this woman to be ridiculously obedient. He gives her these instructions. After she's already got nothing, he gives her these instructions to go out and gather a ton of jars in the town. He literally says to her, don't ask for just a few, right? You realize what he's saying? He's telling her that she's got to be all in if she wants this to work. 
Church, you can't dip your toes in the waters of Christianity. You're either all in or you're not at all. And and I mean, you know as well as I do that if, if we were in this same predicament and we prayed to God to help us and this big booming voice comes out of the clouds and says, get a job, right? Like we know that the But the wrong response would be, okay, I'm going to get my resume together and I'm going to submit that to Apple for the CEO position. Ball's in your court now, God. Like, I did what you said, I applied, and uh, now you just got to do your your God stuff and make it. Like, we know that's ridiculous, right? We know that's not how this works. God comes to an audible voice and tells you to get a job. What do you do? You're like, I'm going to the car wash and submitting resumes. I'm going to McDonald's and submitting. Like, you're all in. Listen. God gave you direction, now go. Now go. And and this is right up God's alley to come up with a plan that just seems totally illogical and ridiculous. Like, she goes around town, and, and she's just, imagine knocking on doors, and you're like, hey, can I have some of your pots? I'll bring them back, I promise. Like, and she's just going to every neighbor, and, and people are like, what is this, what is she doing? Like, what is she going to do with all of these? And, and she's going around. She's collecting all these pots. She gets all of these pots back home. And now what? Still debt. Still problems. The pot didn't help. It never does. I'm, I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. I won't do that second service, maybe. Uh, but, but look, this is consistent for God. In John chapter 6, there's this story where Jesus is being followed by this massive crowd, and, and they want to see him perform more miracles. Like, that's where you and I would have been too, right? Like, I mean, if Jesus is just out here performing free miracles, then yeah, I'm going to be there. I want, even if I don't get a miracle, like, I want to see that happen. So they're out there following him, and here's the problem. They've been out there so long that they missed dinner. And I'm, I'm not making this up. Like, this is the story. And, uh, and I know how some of you guys get when you're hangry. I know how I get when I'm hangry. So, so don't play like this isn't a problem, right? And they're, they're hangry. And Jesus sits down next to one of his followers named Philip. He sits down next to him. He's like, hey, man, what do, what do we do to feed all, like, where are we going to go to get all the food for these people? Right? And, and Philip looks at Jesus. He's like, Bro, what are you talking about? Like, we could work for a whole year and we wouldn't be able to feel it. Then you're Jesus. Like, why are you asking me what we're going to do to feel This is how people in the Bible talk in my head. But then in John 6, verse 8, look at what happens. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Doesn't this sound familiar? another story of not enough. It's almost like God knows that broken people will come up short. It's almost like God is prepared for broken people to be broken. So they're panicking. They're trying to figure something out, and you guys want to see what Jesus' solution is? Okay, check this out. John 6, verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now remember, Jesus just asked Philip, where, where do we go to get food for all of these people? What are you going to do, Philip? Where are we going to go? And then he tells his disciples, okay, now tell everyone just to to sit down. Tell them all to sit down. Like, you got to respect Jesus for trolling all his followers like this, right? Like, this is just good content, church. And so the apostles, they're panicking. They're trying to figure out what in the world are we going to do? Jesus, how are we going to get enough food? Jesus, you've got to do something. Like, where are we going to go for all of these people? And Jesus says, oh, just tell them to sit down. Just tell them to to sit down. What? Like, this is your solution, Jesus? The apostles are trying to solve a problem, and you just want everyone to sit. But if you know the story, then you know that luckily, there was a boy there who had just enough food to feed nobody but himself except for the fact that Jesus was there. It's almost as if all God needed was all he had. 
See, God isn't always going to move in the ways that we expect. I mean, if he did, if, if every time God did something, it just went according to how we thought it was going to work, it went according to our timeline, to our plans, we wouldn't have to trust him for anything. And so this woman in the story, she ends up doing what Elijah said. She goes out and she gets as many pots as she can, and, and the craziest thing ends up happening, right? She takes her little jar of olive oil, and she asks her son, bring over one of the jars to me. And she takes it and she pours it in until the larger jar is full. And she sets it aside, and she looks back in her small jar, and it's still full. So she says to her son, she says, next. Pours and fills it up, sets it aside. She's still got oil. Next. And she keeps going and just keeps calling for the next one over and over and over. And the same thing keeps happening until 2 Kings 4, 6. And we read, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And see, we've got to stop here first because this is really important to the story. Do you see how her crazy obedience matched the crazy instructions that Elijah gave her? She was so committed that she's filling up these jars and she's just like, next, 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 next. next. Like this gets old at some point, right? And she's just going and going and going. She's, she's all in on this until eventually her son is like, no, mom, there's, there's none left. That's all of them. We've done everything that the prophet has asked us to do. See, there comes a moment in the Christian walk where you have to decide if you're willing to match the crazy instructions of God with crazy obedience of your own. And, and here's why. The reason that God comes up with crazy instructions is because of crazy love. God is so wildly passionate about human beings that he is in perpetual pursuit of your heart. John Flavel once said, quote, The child of God is pursued by divine goodness all his life and is never, ever able to escape it, unquote. See, God was actually not worried nearly as much about this woman losing everything on earth as much as he was worried about losing her. He was after her heart. He wanted to see that she really, truly trusted him with an absolute ridiculous amount of trust. And God is after you. He's after your heart, and I guarantee you that he is calling you to something that seems absolutely ridiculous right now. So are you going to make excuses, or will you match the crazy instructions of God with your own crazy obedience? Because, see, God is after your heart, but by you allowing him to fully pursue your heart, it also invites you into being a part of God, pursuing the hearts of all those around you who you love most. And then the last part of our story, verse 7 in 2 Kings 4. This woman, it says, She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. See, because she followed God to the T, he blessed her so abundantly that even after paying off her debts, she still had enough for her and her sons to continue living off of this. Charles Spurgeon, a theologian, he once said of this passage, quote, if she borrowed few vessels, she would have but little oil. If she borrowed many vessels, they should all be filled and she should have much oil. She was herself to measure out what she should have. And I believe that you and I, in the matter of spiritual blessings from God, have more to do with the measurement of our mercies than we think. We make our blessings little because our prayers are little. See, we expect God to do all of these crazy things in our lives, but our faith is so small. Our, our involvement is so little in the kingdom. We hear God say that he has a purpose for our lives, and we want that. We just don't want to invest in his plans. 
And, and oftentimes, I, I get why we don't want to invest in his plans, right? Because you and I, we don't invest our finances into something that doesn't make sense, right? That's why we are doing everything that we can to try and get these scammers to stop calling our cell phones. We know that if the prince of Nigeria contacts us wanting to send us money, we know that that's pretty crazy. So what do we do? We don't match his crazy with our crazy, right? We don't do it. We don't invest. But then even when God does call us to something and we do listen, we do the bare minimum. We, we dip our toes. We don't actually invest. And so we get out of it what we put into it. We still feel minimal purpose. We still don't recognize the presence of God in our lives. We still don't see any real difference that our lives are making because we didn't match God's crazy instructions with our own crazy obedience. And see, this whole story is to point us forward to Jesus. See, think, think about how crazy of a plan it was that the Son of God would be born in a manger to a virgin woman to grow up as a carpenter, get 12 followers, and be murdered. Right? Like this, this was the plan to redeem the whole world. This was the plan to bring every single human being in existence, to give them the opportunity to come back into relationship with God. This was the big plan. Tell me that's not crazy. Tell me that's not insane, right? Like Jesus lived out the craziest of all instructions that God has ever given, and he matched them with his own crazy obedience. Church, I have failed my fair share of times, but I can point back to a time when this church was about to face a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of uncertainty, and it was right as I was coming on board, and I was basically warned to brace for impact. Now, see, I, I had just turned in my two weeks' notice to my former employer, and, uh, but I guarantee you that had I gone back to him and said, ah, you know what, I changed my mind, like, he would have kept me. I promise you, he would have kept me. But instead, I wept and I prayed. And I don't know which one I did more, but I did a whole lot of both. And I felt it through that moment very clear that God had told me that if he asked me to get on the ship, that he didn't ask me to get on it just so he could sink it. I had no idea what God's plans were. I, I had no idea what was going to happen. This was the absolute most uncertain time of my life. And the only thing that I could do was hold on to the fact that I know that God is trustworthy. And so I'm going to trust you. So I prayed and I said, I'm all in. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm following you with everything that I've got. And, and, I, and honestly, I fully recognize that maybe this means that the moment that I start working as a pastor, maybe the floor is ripped out from under me. Maybe the church goes under. Maybe I end up without a job and my family ends up losing her house. Like, you better believe that these thoughts went through my mind. But here I am. And I can tell you this. I can tell you that God is faithful. I can tell you that there are experiences. There are experiences that I hope that I never have to go through again. But I also wouldn't trade them for the world because I had never seen Jesus as clearly as I did in those moments. Jesus simply calls us to follow him. No matter how terrifying, we're simply called to follow. And let me tell you this, the road to following Jesus will always intersect with the cross. And the cross then was not what it is now. The cross was terrifying. The cross was horrifying. And Jesus is out here calling all of us with this crazy, ridiculous instruction to come and die. Come and die. And it seems crazy. Everything in our being is working against it. But what we don't realize is that when we match the crazy instructions of God with our own crazy obedience, 
we find that the life that died was actually no life at all. And it is in that moment that we truly begin to live. And church, even if you're already a Jesus follower, this is still for you. Because we were called to pick up our crosses daily. That means that daily Jesus is inviting us to come and die. And Jesus knows that we can't do it on our own. He knows that we're not enough. He knows that we're limited. But he's calling us to embrace our limitations and simply trust that he is limitless enough to carry us through. Because he is faithful. Because he is good. Because he is love. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus and the example that he's given us. God, thank you that even though your instructions seem so crazy, so ridiculous, thank you that you invite us into what you're doing. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. Thank you that you give us an opportunity to truly have and to hold purpose and true life. Jesus, I pray over each of the people in this room, each of the people who are watching online, that your Holy Spirit would be present in a way that that he would be stirring hearts, that you would draw your people to you. Jesus, I'm remembering your promise that if you are lifted up, that you will draw all men unto you. And Jesus, I'm praying that this morning, that each one of us, whether we're in a relationship with you or not, that before we disengage with this church service, that we would be closer to you than we were before. That we would take that next step with you. Jesus, I pray that if there are any who don't right now have a relationship with you, that they would step into that today. That they would see just how ridiculous your love is for them. Just how wild about them you are. That they are loved more than they could ever possibly imagine. And that you are offering them true true life with you forever. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the stories that you've given us in your word, and we pray that we would be faithful to you and to your word. And we lay everything, including our lives, at your feet. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a wonderful week.